Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Death. Joining me is La Urena, and this is the second part to Summer Slashing 2, Death Boogaloo. <laughs> we're, we're covering Wolf Creek 1 and 2 in this episode. There's actually a TV series of it that's like the prequel that shows how Mick got to the point that he's at in these movies. What? Where's the TV show playing? Uh, I, I don't know if it's like available locally. I'm not looked into it, but there is a prequel series. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so Wolf Creek from 2005, tagline, how can you be found when no one knows you're missing? That's fucked up. <laughs> Somebody's got to know they're just backpacking. Did they specify yeah. that they're trying to disappear? No, they didn't specify, but they fucked off. And I mean, like they wouldn't, they, they never once in the movie show that they're trying to, you know, like communicate with family members or okay. anything. No, under, yeah, I, I definitely got that. So. Uh, directed by Greg McLean, uh, also written by Greg McLean. Uh, music by Edward Ballou. Uh, budget of $1.38 million, it made 53.4. Fuck right the fuck off. Holy shit. $1.38 million. The effects in this are insane for $1.38 million. They are. They just, they're flat out. Uh, they, the, it looks so gross. Yeah, that's true. Uh, principal players, we got Nathan Phillips playing Ben Mitchell, who's our sole survivor in the movie. Just He's the it out final right goy. He, I will get to that. I, I don't know if I can give him that. Okay. Uh, or I don't know if I can give that to the guy in the next movie either. It's guys okay. that survive in these movies. Uh, Nathan Phillips was in Snakes on a Plane and the Chernobyl Diaries. Okay. Uh, John Jarrett plays Mick Taylor, who is the local yokel slasher. Uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock from 1973, which is funny because Samara Weaving was in the TV series. Uh, Wolf Creek 2, of course. Rogue, which is a man-eating crocodile movie, which is, you know, when bad animals go bad. Uh, was we, Theta we, in it? Uh, she was uh, She was an alligator. Oh, so. my bad. They all look the same <laughs> to me. I'm sorry. I no disrespect. <laughs> How dare you? That's so specious <laughs> to you. The Possessed... Django Unchained and Shiver. Okay. I wonder who he was in Django. uh, I'm sure he's like probably one of the cowpokes or something like that. He's he's more like a bit like character actor in a lot of movies. Okay. Uh, Cassandra McGrath plays Liz Hunter, the faux final girl. And we'll get into the reason I call her that because she's she's got the right moves, but she makes some fatal flaws. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Or a fatal mistake. She was in Nightmare Radio. Uh, the Night Stalker uh, is the full title of that, and uh, Neighbors, which is a TV series in in uh, I think Australia. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Gordon Poole plays the old man. <laughs> That's all he goes by. Okay. Uh, but you but you know who he is because he's in the wrong place, at the wrong yes. time. Yeah. Good Samaritan. <laughs> uh, he was in the movie Shine, and then a movie called Bad Boy Bubby, which is supposed to be a really really tough watch. Like it's a very depraved, like you know person i mean the person is about as bad as mick but okay. like without without the personality to go with it uh kesty morassi plays christy earl just a brit down under to have a good time uh she was in uh, darkness falls and then guy peterson plays a swedish backpacker who is the slasher fake out at the end of the movie because he happens to be wearing a hat oh just yeah happens to look just like mix whenever it pops up on camera <clears throat> synopsis 
Two Brits are down in Australia having a holiday and living their best lives. They get a local friend to drive them to see the crater at Wolf Creek, and their vacation becomes a descent into hell. Old folks are sniped. That is not a knife. And Mick Taylor truly defines head on a stick. <laughs> 30,000 people or 30,000 are reported missing in Australia every year. Some are never seen again. That's like the intro to the, you know, how the movie starts. Actually, both of them start out with that little scroll. Holy shit, is uh, that like legit though? Uh, they say it's based on real reports. Oh, so I 30, did. 000, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Body count. Five in the movie, but nine plus non-counted. So we have the headless corpse uh, found brutalized and decapitated in the movie. That's behind uh, um, Christy uh, whenever she's being, you know, tied up for the first time by Mick. We have Liz, spoiler alert, fingers cut off and spinal cord severed. She was last seen alive in the movie, but that's not a good thing. Because yeah. Mick basically says he's going to fuck her corpse or her body until she dies. Yeah. Uh, FYI update, 38,000 people go missing or are reported missing by police every year in Australia. The guy who plays Mick says, carry a weapon, carry a cell phone. Holy shit. That's, he says that. He's like, this movie shows you anything. When you're backpacking, be prepared. Holy fuck. Uh, Old man uh, is sniped in the eye. Yes. <laughs> Christy Earl is shot in the back two times with a rifle. Uh, crucified tourist is found with a lower half of body missing. Um, and a non-counted death, there's a father, mother, and daughter possibly killed by Mick Taylor. Their video footage of them is seen by Liz when she's investigating yes. when she shouldn't be. Yeah, what we'll the get fuck? into that later. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other people possibly killed by Mick Taylor. The pictures are seen in that same little uh, yeah. uh, News treasure reports. trove. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like he's got his own little uh, a wart. You know, it's like little treasure trove of, like, past victims. Uh, quotes from the movie. Mick Taylor. See? Head on a stick. That was fucked up. <laughs> uh, man, that, that kill... Uh, that has to go down as the best kill in any movie. I mean, because it it's not even a kill, yeah, first of all. Yeah, not even a kill. And, and is the most depraved, realistic, fucking sickening thing that, that I've seen in any of these movies. Yeah. Because it's a real thing that could happen to somebody. Oh, yeah. Um, Mick Taylor pointing at a corpse. She was good for months until she lost her head. Gross. <laughs> Uh, ben Mitchell, what do you do now, Mick Taylor? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Which is, I, okay, explain to me right now, why is this a real thing where people in Australia who have an Australian accent have also a hick accent? Is that a thing? Uh, out in the boonies it is, yes. It's why? Like my accent to you, basically. It you know. is. <laughs> It is, but it's like, why does he sound both like he's got an American hick accent mixed with an Australian accent? Because it's a little bit closer to that. And then the funny thing is, I heard this from somebody, so I can't verify this, but I heard that Australian women love a good hick Southern accent. And I think, and I don't know why, but I think it's because it sounds so similar. And he's from the South. <laughs> he's he from said, the South of Australia. Yeah, he's going South. It, <laughs> I can't with this movie. One thing, two, 
I was like, are they making fun of Americans or is that what they really sound like? So they, so that's a real thing. No, he, yeah, that, and, and the funny thing is that John Jarrett's real accent sounds nothing like that. I mean, well, I say nothing like that. He, he, he's got an Australia, it's got the lilt, but like it's very, it's a lot lighter. It's not as gruff because he actually has to, yes, to add a little bit of this to his voice, you know, yeah. like he's got to, but he, he doesn't sound as hickish as that. Like he, that's kind of a put on, but it's, there's people that sound like that down there. Okay. I just, I was, I was, I, I, I was so confused. I was like, he really does sound like a hick, but he's got a little Australian in the, well, not a little, a lot. And I was like, is that a thing? And the funniest thing about him is he seems very, he, he's got a charisma to him. I don't know how it's even more so in the second movie. Like you, at one point before he gets really bad toward the end, he get, or like halfway through, uh, there's almost a point where you're like, I like this guy. And I, I don't, I, sh- I, God, I, know. I shouldn't like this guy. Yeah. I was waiting for him to be like, let's put another shrimp on the Bobby. Y'all do. <laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, ben Mitchell. Uh, yeah. I've already said that. I had to kill you. Mick Taylor. I always use a rubber with you cunts. I just don't know where you've been. Mm, it's being safe. I, you know, and you don't, well, I mean, if he's really, really sick, you got to worry about them getting pregnant. Uh, yeah, he, at least he doesn't do that. He doesn't pull one of those where he, you know, he gets them pregnant and then you got the babies like the, well, I could spoil like two movies right now. Oh, yes. Say. I already know what you're talking about. There. Well, there's one that we watched that yes. we did a review for with some milk sucking. Uh, there's one uh, with a, a blind guy who has a home invasion happen to him. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, you you can figure that out. But there's uh, he, that, but there's a lot of movies where the guy is not. He's got he's trying to get the women pregnant to raise their to have them keep their babies or whatever. Yes, and uh, apparently I saw this in TikTok. That's a real story that happened. A guy kept or raped his daughter several times over this real life story. It's awful. Oh yeah. Uh, he did it for seven years, kept her locked up in the basement. There's a movie based on it. I can't remember. It's like locked in a basement or something like that's the name of it. And I, God, I don't know if I could watch it during human horror season, but like he, he not only kept her locked up, but then the oldest children he mm-hmm. kept locked up. And how did his wife not know? I, I don't know. I don't know how this stuff happens. Yeah. Like I really it's don't. crazy. But yeah, I'll never look at a turkey baster the same again. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, uh, especially after the movie with a certain old yeah. man. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, Mick Taylor pouring water. Nothing like rainwater from the top end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that water is doped up with all kinds of drugs. Oh, yes. I don't know what he put in there, but it's doped up. Uh, Mick Taylor. I was doing people a service, really, by shooting them. There's kangaroos all over the place, like tourists. That, that's that's your hints. Yes. He's, they're all like tourists. Uh, and then finally, Mick Taylor. What was it your mate said again? Oh, yeah, that's not a knife. This is a knife, you know, when he's talking to Liz. Yeah. Uh, other taglines, based on true events. Yes. 90% of them are found in a month. Ugh. The thrill is in the hunt. Ew. <laughs> They all work. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, visuals. Uh, there are scenes at the beginning of this movie that are fucking gorgeous of the Australian uh, yeah. know, like, scenery. Like, And the I rain mean, was so... I don't know if that was real rain or if that was created rain, but they did a very good job. The They used the Australian 
natural beauty to its full advantage this movie like i mean in, in the because uh, i told you this before and i don't know you can tell me what you thought the movie is very slow building up about the three main characters uh-huh. until it gets to the halfway point. Yep. But there is a lot of just showing the outback and its natural beauty or Australia in general before it gets to that point. Even Wolf Creek itself, which is a real thing, um, it's just spelled a little bit different. It's W-O-L-F-E Creek. Um, <clears throat> but then whenever it gets to the actual stuff with Mick, like the, even the color tone changes. It's more like a grayish, like... Uh, dark tone like to the like the color timing of the movie that's mm-hmm. more like it's it's not as bright and sunny and and then whenever they uh and there's and uh, they change a little bit in the second movie too but i'll get to that when we discuss it but like it uh, they do the 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 other thing about the visuals is the stuff that he does to people or or any of the stuff even the stuff that happens to him like getting shot in the neck they do a good job with the i mean making yes. it look realistic yeah uh homeboy that got shot in the head by a fucking long range rifle. Yes. That was the, nasty. Uh, head on a stick scene. I mm-hmm. mean, you really felt that knife going to her back. Oh, yeah. Like, um, and then the fingers getting chopped off. That oh, that was good. As fuck. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not a lot of kills in the movie, but what's there are the, their gut punches. Yeah. And they do a good job with them. Uh, the, what do you think about the look of Mick since we're talking about visuals? He, Mick looked like a hick. <laughs> I am still blown away by how this is a world away and they look like our hillbillies out here. Why is that such a universal thing? You know what that is? As universal as the word barbecue. <laughs> That's not. No, it's not. Uh, not. I don't even think barbecue is the same in Australia as it is here. <laughs> I think they say barbecue. They say barbecue for the device itself. A barbie is the, you know, the, the a barbecue. Itself, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting look because if you watch, I mean, and it, maybe it's because I've seen more of him in the second. I really recommend you watch the second one. Uh, if you the second movie starts out with a bang, like right off the, the, okay. the start, and we'll get into it. But um, the the way that they make him look is an interesting combination because he does have the hick look to him, mm-hmm. but he's got almost like a 1950s psycho Billy, like you yeah, know, like the way he. He, you know, makes sure his hair is fixed up. He keeps those those big long mutton chop sideburns. Um, it's 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 a very interesting look. And he, but he's also got like that, just that rugged like outdoorsman look to him too, which he would have to because that's what you know what he does. Even yeah, if he's hunting the most dangerous game in quotation marks. Um. Also, <laughs> the the hat for sure is an Australian thing. Yes. I mean, as we see with multiple characters that are like, you know, obviously with where they're at, they need that. Yeah, and the way that he rolls up his sleeves on his flannel shirt reminds me a lot of the Psycho Billy stuff, too, because I remember back in the 50s, they used to roll up their cigarette packs and like, the, oh, you yeah, know, their, their shirt sleeves or whatever. It's it's a very, it's it's a dated look, but it's, I don't know, it fits for the character. He, he He's got a look to him that's, that's, that's his own thing, even if he's more of a generic type of killer. Yeah. Uh, story is a pretty basic human horror story, honestly. Like backpackers go out, uh, their car breaks down, somebody offers to help them. Uh, that person that's helping has ill intentions and turns out to be a serial killer. It's actually it is based on true story. There is an Australian serial killer that did just uh, that did things very similar to what Mick does. Yeah. Um. 
it is a pretty basic story, but it is always cool when it's like based on a true story. Yeah, it, it adds a little bit more emotional weight to it whenever you're seeing these people like go through the stuff they're going through. Yeah. Um, the the I don't know. The one thing I'm gonna say about the story is is and it's in both movies. You don't get resolution with a killer because no. I think it, it goes along with. I mean, it adds to the true story nature of it. The good guys don't win. They they don't like yeah. even Ben. Ben gets away, but he doesn't win. Correct. I mean, yeah. I mean, he goes through months of interrogation, and they release him uh, only. I mean, only to say, well, we don't have enough information, and nothing you told us we can find any proof of. So you know, fuck off, basically. Um, acting in the movie. What do you think of the actors in this one? Let me see. Well, okay. The Liz was fine. Uh, yeah. The 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 final guy, fine. I mean, he wasn't in it too too much, but I think in terms of trying to stand up as a man and things like that. You know, trying to speak for the ladies and everything. I think he did a great job. I think his character was pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, Mick was Mick. He was he's made to be the standout. He's the star of the show. But he he's definitely the standout. I could not stand the other girl. She fucking got on my goddamn nerves. She probably gets the Franklin Award. I she, don't know yeah. if I put her as the Franklin Award, but she gets it because she's the screaming, can't do anything for herself. Yeah. And whenever she gets the moment to break away. She fucks it up. Yeah. I mean, you know. Big time. So, uh, yeah, that's the only one who got on my nerves. And she just didn't stand out at all. I don't, like, she just wasn't, I don't know what she was in the film for. Like, I I, I know there was a scene where Liz had to try to, you know, uh, well, there's a scene of potential rape involved, obviously, to show what kind of character Mick is. He could have did that with Liz. Uh, And then there's a scene where Liz had to try to save her. She could have did that with the final guy and not succeeded at that. But him still get away, you know, spoiler alert, as he does. Um, I feel like she was kind of useless in it. I think the and I'm I'm gonna play Noah for a second here mm-hmm. in the sense that I think that she was added in the movie to show the other type of reaction to traumatic situations like that. Okay, and she, I, that I'll accept. Yeah, she was the person who clams up and and can't function without being told what to do. Whereas Liz, obviously, is the one that's like, okay, shit's fucked up. We got to do something. We're fucking dead. And then Ben's just like, I don't know. I got to get the fuck out of here. There there is that type that just runs, you know. And good for fucking him because I feel like, especially because he doesn't really know those girls that well, right? No, he's just, he, he like, barely knows them. They, They barely know him. It's like, you know... Uh, he's kind of got the hots for one of them. That's all. I mean, they established that, and that's really all that you got to go off. Yeah, and that, I mean, that works in terms of the storyline. Like, I get that. But, yeah, that was how I felt. I was just like, I I get the whole showing the side of scared, but holy fuck, she was a bit too much annoying, you know? I, I get it completely. I will say one thing that kind of ties in the visuals because we're talking about Ben getting the fuck out of there. They really paint a picture in that movie of how just hot and miserable and dry the Australian outback can be at least in oh, yes. summertime. Cause I mean, it's like he's going through just basically a desert. Oh you yeah. Know, and I, that's kind of what it is. Uh, and one other thing about the acting, they're not in it long enough, but the people at the gas station, oh, or yeah. whatever, 
they they're appropriately menacing. I thought that one of them at first was going to be the one that came back and got them. You know, the one that that was like, "I want to go at your girls," and and like he's like, "Excuse me, you fuckhead," and he's like, "What'd you say to me?" And you know, and he backs off. Um, I I felt like you know they were menacing enough. You know, they kind they're the types that you do see on the road sometimes where you're like, uh, I think we should get the fuck out of here because I'm not getting a good vibe from this place. Yeah. I thought that they were going to be the killer, a.k.a. or, excuse me, and or the killers, so. And the funny thing is, is that Mike or Mick is the complete opposite of them. He's very disarming when he pops up. He's oh, like, yeah. No worries, Mike. You know, he's just like, you know, he's like, I'll help you out, you know. Y'all scared the <laughs> shit out of me. It's like, <laughs> likewise, homeboy. Uh, the reveal later on, and we'll discuss this now because it's part of the story. The reveal later on when Liz is watching the video cassette, and and that's the the dumbest point in the movie is is clearly that. I mean, if you're you know like if we always give this award, but this award is the most. I, I want to say this makes it to the end when we do the overall. Her staying there, knowing that he's on his way back, her friends outside, they don't know where the fuck Ben's at. Yeah, and she takes the fucking time to watch video clips from other people. Like, I mean, I know in the course, in the sense of the movie story, it's to establish that he has done this so many times yeah. for innocent families. But for her, in general, it is so fucking stupid. Just so fucking, so, stupid. fucking watching that, reminiscing, like, fucking Chevy Chase and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That, exactly, that scene where he's all dressed up, yeah. women's clothing. Ray Charles starts playing, <laughs> Christmas is the time of time year. Time of year. <laughs> Like, what the what fuck, dude? Wonderful if anything, if nothing at all, it, you, I don't know what she was looking for. And I know what they're trying to establish in this scene, but it take the fucking videotapes with you so that maybe hey, if you survive, you have you got some evidence. Yeah. Yes. Like, hey, that by the way, I found this when I was in there being tortured by this motherfucker. Yeah, it's it would have been perfect. It would have, I mean, that would have been a that would have made her seem smart, you know, as as final girl. Um, the the other thing I was going to say about that scene is they do give one good thing about that. Whenever she's seeing his video that we watch him filming earlier in the movie at the gas station, Mick's truck was there. Yeah, and and that that's kind of a, like a oh shit, it's he was he was stalking them before they ever oh way before yeah. Uh, the now on the opposite side of the stupid, Mick is portrayed as brutally efficient and brutally smart in both movies. Yeah, he yeah. There's nothing he does that's stupid. Like him waiting in the back of one of those cars, <gasps> knowing that she would hop into it, and that evil ass laugh when he got her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. And he stabs her through the middle, and then she starts. You know, and that. There's one other movie that does, like, the faux Final Girl fake-out, and I feel like this movie did it better, uh, even though it didn't have a Final Girl, or the one that we watched, Wolf Creek. Yeah. Ter the original Terrifier. I, I like Terrifier 2. I might even love it. I'd have to go back and rewatch it, and we will for this season. But the original Terrifier movie has a has two two women in the movie, that, just like this movie. Uh, one of them is, a, is the clam up and, you know, doesn't you know in this and doesn't do anything type uh she's the one in the you know the images that's inverted and gets cut from vagina to, to head yeah. um 
the other girl, the cute goth girl in the movie, she does everything a final girl is supposed to do. She even gets one of uh, Art the Clown's weapons and starts to bash his head in with it. Yeah. And then he turns it on her and he has a pistol in his pocket and he shoots her point blank several yes. times and kills her. And that annoyed, I know that annoyed me. I believe he said it annoyed you. Oh, it pissed me off because she didn't deserve that death. Liz does. Yeah. Liz is different. Liz fucked around and she found out. I mean, she was doing a good job as a final girl. She was doing smart things. She was trying to find a weapon. I, I think she was trying to look for Ben, uh, but she had the means to get out of there if she just went straight to the cars and she didn't. So that's on her. I mean, at least the final girl in, or the faux final girl in Terrifier tried to take out the killer. She just didn't realize he had a gun, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, too, I've said this before, guns and slashers don't really mix because they no. kind of defeat the purpose. I'll give Mick a pass because he's not, he's not a complete slasher. He's more of a human horror and it makes sense for him to have a gun because he was a boar hunter. He's a, yeah, he's a hunter. Um, it made sense. I didn't question him having a gun as much as I would, you know, Art the Clown. But yeah. also, I am not opposed to the survivor finding a gun and using that against the slasher. Oh, no, that goes all the way back to the original Halloween. I mean, they use a gun on Michael at the end of the movie. Now, it doesn't take for whatever reason, but they use, uh, Loomis uses a pistol on him. So yes. I'm I'm fine with the slasher getting shot, but for the slasher, for it to fit, the slasher needs to take pride in, you know, the, the or like some sick joy in the killing. And there's no up close and personal with a gun. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's quick and it's brutal and it's over with. Um, like I said, it makes sense for Mick though. He's a hunter, so it's, he's different, you know? Yeah. Um, but, and as far as the music goes, there's not a lot of it. It's sparse, but I feel like what's in it works, you know, uh, especially in part two, when we get to that, I mean, cause they use some very specific songs at points, <laughs> uh, but, um, the, this movie, I feel like it's more like a just an orchestra type. It's fine for what it is. Yeah. But they, they let the horror play out on screen. They don't really try to accentuate because it honestly doesn't need accentuating. It's it's brutal. It's This movie is really brutal. Uh, Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot. It's, it's, it's not like The Hills Have Eyes, but it has the same. It's got slashing. It's got brutality at its worst it's got torture it's definitely has uh, without seeing it on screen which god bless this movie rape for sure yeah yeah it's um, for sure going i mean he says it outright yeah month-long torture in these films um it's got a desolate a, a desolate area an abandoned area nobody fucking knows about you know these kids mm -hmm. have no idea where they're at, which, holy crap, so smart to take them in the middle of the night, you know? Yeah, while they're completely, like, blinded to everything, they, they, they drove a bunch, but they don't know where the fuck they drove. I mean, they the, the only person paying attention was Ben, so, I mean, you know. Yeah, but even then, the, it's pitch black. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, he just he's like, wait a minute, we've drove forever, What what you know, and, it yeah, they're, they're totally disoriented by the time they get to where they're at. And it's kind of on them because, I mean, they accepted, you know, the, yeah, the but, invites. Yeah, they, 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 what were they supposed to do? 
Well, here's the thing, and this is a spoiler for part two. I was going to ask you, what do you think Mick would have done if they would have turned down his offer to go with him? He would have. They answer, they answer that question in part two. Oh, there, they do? A, yes, there's a German couple that you follow, just like the first two in this movie. They don't make it even... I, they don't even make it a quarter of the way through the movie. You follow them for a good chunk from the beginning after the initial scenes, and it, it's not nearly as long. I mean, so that's good for you, you know, watching yeah. it. And they get to Wolf Creek, and Mick comes up on them, and you're like, oh, shit, this is going to play out the same way. It doesn't. The German guy tells him, he's like, we're fine. Yeah. Go on. Uh, man, Mick gets pissed, and he he's like, I didn't want to kill you here, but I guess I got yes, you now. Yes, that's what I was going to say. They were going to die there regardless. I would have thought he would have waited for them to go to sleep or started the brutality right then and there. Yeah, he starts it right then and there in the second movie. So yeah. that's what he would have. I'm, I'm glad they answered that question because I was really like, what would he have done if he, they didn't buy into it? They would have been fucked regardless, in my opinion. Yeah, he, he was he was planning on killing them. When he showed up, that was whenever they were doomed. Yeah. Basically. Um we'll get into it some more when we discuss part two. Uh I don't I don't want to belabor this. You want to get into trivia real yeah, quick? Yeah, let's get into the trivia. Unbeknownst to the crew, the abandoned mine where they chose to film had actually been the site of the real life murder of a woman. The filming prompted a protest from locals who erroneously thought the film was about those events. Okay, but like are we surprised? Because of what we're hearing from Australia, are we really surprised? <laughs> no. That's like saying the park in Oakland, California, where, you know, the body was found or filmed at, uh, was related to, oh, I don't know, three other million fucking murders that have happened in this park, you know? Yeah. And then People we're like, what? You're not talking about Devante, are you? Well, which Devante? <laughs> I am so sorry. Which Jose? Which Maria? Okay, because there's probably hundreds that have been killed in that park in Oakland. How many Carls died in this cavern here in Australia? Probably a bunch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. even if they didn't die from a serial killer, I mean, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of people that like, they, they, uh, I, this is a tangent. I don't know if you've seen these videos. It happens a lot around here because we have a large cave system, and that's a whole other thing. Have you seen in America about the missing persons, like where most of them occur? There's like a map, and they're all around where the largest cave systems are at. Okay. Kentucky's on one of the largest cave systems in the United States. I'm Jesus. just going out there. <laughs> so, um, but we have a lot of spelunkers here. What's and a, there's what a lot the of fuck is a spelunker? People that goes in the caves and okay. just like bucks around. Okay. So we have a lot of those because we have a lot of caves. Uh, there's videos of them. They, they're they the kind of people that will literally, oh, here's the hole that I have to suck in my stomach to get through. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm going to do this. Those people by themselves end up missing just because they get trapped and nobody finds them. They fucking die in these caves that nobody ever fucking goes to. Oh so, God. I mean, I'm just saying there's probably a bunch of caves here in Kentucky that are full of dead bodies because of idiots that are like, I'm going to go down this hole, you know. I got to suck my stomach. Oh, my God. They have to do the hole. What's his name from? Uh. From Club Dread. I'm going to call him, it's Lars, but I'm going to call him Farva because that's what he is. Oh, from my the, God. You know, Super Troopers. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, it's like they, they got to do the little chant and then they got to roll into the hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But but I'm just saying there's so many people that are probably like, you know, dead in these places or missing that just because of natural things that happen to them. Like that one movie, um, 
uh, with uh, James Franco or whatever, I believe it is, where he like, you know, it was based on real events where the guy went backpacking, fell down like this, uh, this like divide between two different rocks and like had to saw, he either had to chew or saw his arm off oh, yeah. to get out of there. That you know? was um, some kind of rock climbing situation. Yeah, I mean, shit like that happens. It really does. What was that so, movie called? 72 Hours or? I believe so, yeah. He had like 72 hours to, you know, get out of there before he died or something. Uh, run out of water or whatever it was. Uh, anyways, a very eerie coincidence occurred for the second unit crew sent out to get footage of the Wolf Creek crater. Since the location was many hours from, away from any town, the small crew decided to camp out in a car at the site after shooting. During the night, a mysterious stranger showed up in a truck to investigate. The stranger indeed looked very much like the character of Mick, right down to the rustic truck. The stranger left, but the crew was so spooked that they drove an hour down the road before finally stopping to camp for the night. Yeah, I fucking would too. <laughs> they literally had what happened to them in the movie happen to the crew in real life. <laughs> that, this movie is... I, the scariest thing about this movie is it could happen. Well, yeah. I mean, there it really is. I mean, and and that just proved that there are Mick Taylors. I mean, he's not just made up for the movie. Uh, at one point during the shooting of the scene where Mick uh, is torturing Christy uh, while Liz looks through the window, director Greg McLean wanted to get a shot of Cassandra's point of view, so he cleared the crew out of the shed in which the scene was being shot, leaving only the two actors inside. When he called action, they began playing the scene, however, uh, after a minute, McLean became convinced that Jared had gone too far and that Morassi's cries were to, for help were genuine. He burst in the shed only to find both actors stunned at the disruption. Morassi was fine. It had simply been the intensity of her performance which had fooled McLean. Oh, wow. So so we can give the Christie character some shit because as a character, but that actress was acting so well that she scared the director. That's hella funny. <laughs> Good for her. Uh, John Jarrett remained in character between takes. Now, I did see uh, this on uh, behind the scenes. No. Yes. He said that he had to because he said that if he ever lost, he said he hated, he, he prefaced it saying he hates method acting. He just okay. hates it. But he said this character is so awful and gross and nasty that if he ever came out of that state of mind between scenes, he would never get back into it. Or he would it would be torture to try to get back into it. So he stayed in character while filming Mick. I bet you that grossed <laughs> the girls out. Oh, they yeah, they he actually said that he scared them. He said he hated that for them, but they, they were actually intimidated by him because he kept the character up. That's so funny. Uh, there had been no rainfall for 10 years, 10 years in the area where the backpackers parked their car before setting off for the crater, but it started raining as soon as the crew arrived. So that was real rain. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like, that, that the, looks so good. In the end, director Greg McLean was happy it rained as it added to the ominous atmosphere of the scene. So yeah. that place had not had any rain for 10 years and it rained the night they were filming. Which is funny because it was like, the car wouldn't start, and then all of a sudden, one, two, three drops of rain, and it just starts slowly sprinkling on them. And I was like, wow, not only did their watches stop working, their car's not working, and it's starting to rain. Yeah, and they well, they give a reason for why the stuff isn't working in the next movie. They say something about the like the meteor whenever it hit. Uh, had like magnets or something in it, and it kind of magnetized the area so that it like fucked around with electronics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but we mentioned before when we were, especially in Coraline, how when you make a movie that's animated, 
everything in the movie should have a purpose. But regular movies can have happy mistakes. That's or happy coincidences. That's a happy coincidence, the rain falling. Because yeah. that added so much to that It scene. really did, yeah. Um, <clears throat> although widely believed that John Jarrett did not bathe during the filming of Wolf Creek, uh, he himself debunked this rumor in 2016, uh, stating that the truth was he stopped washing only his arms. The reason oh, okay. behind this was that because the tattoos they applied in makeup each morning took so many hours to complete, it was easier to not wash them off than to continue reapplying them. Wow. Um, he did say, though, that he got pretty gross smelling. Yeah. And he felt bad for the women that way, too. But, you know, it added to the scenes working with it. Well, yeah, <laughs> so. but you could still wash your armpits. He did, but I'm just saying that yeah. even his, his arms were just, like, so nasty. Yeah. As it was originally filmed, the scene in which Ben, uh, Liz, and Christy are sitting around the campfire and Ben is telling the story about the alien lights was over seven minutes long and shot entirely in one take. Wow. Um, that's an interesting scene as far as the story goes. It kind of sets up what happens to them. Yeah, uh, in they get abducted and, and butt-fucked. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, the second movie hints that that could have happened to Ben. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you about that when we get in the second movie. <gasps> oh, boy. Uh, j- Mick is not in just women. He doesn't discriminate. Uh, yeah. He's an ally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they would like that representation, but yes, he is an ally. Uh, um, and he doesn't like people saying that word either. The F-A <gasps> yeah. you know, word. Disrespectful. Uh, uh, at around 43 minutes, the sign at the entrance of the old mining company site where the killer takes his victims is actually the name of the backpacker murderer, Ivan Malat, spelled backwards as Nephilim uh, Mining Company. Uh, so they put the murder that the mo- that Mick is based on in the movie in that sign. That's fucked up. <laughs> uh, even though writer-director Greg McLean did not write the role of Mick for anyone in particular, John Jarrett was the first and only actor to audition for the part. Uh, he was well known in Australia at the time as the host of the gardening show, uh, and it was. But he was also a recognized actor. McLean invited Jarrett to audition after he'd only seen him in a play called Dead Heart. Ironically, Jarrett was only working as a replacement for the regular star Brian Brown, who was ill the night that McLean attended. Uh-huh. Uh, director of public prosecutions in the Northern Territory asked the film distributor to delay the screening of the film until after the trial of Bradley John Murdoch, accused of murdering British backpacker Peter Falconio. Uh, Murdoch's trial commenced 17th October 2005. So uh, another one of those instances where they, at least they didn't outright change the movie, but it was like, you know, real life imitating art, basically, again. Uh, kind of like Columbine happening at the <laughs> same time that they had a plan for Stu, ba- uh, Stu uh, to, uh, you know, instigate some school killings in the Scream 3, and they had to change the whole plot around. Yeah. You know? uh, the film was shot by doing a couple of takes uh, sticking rigidly to the script and then allowing the actors to improvise. Many of the scenes in the final film include the improvised material. For example, the scene between Ben and the mechanic, uh, checking out the car, the party scenes, the bit where Ben plays with a flashlight of being stranded, and the campfire belching contest scene. In addition, much of Mick Taylor's colorful dialogue was improvised by John Jarrett. Um, that he's pretty good because it his his lines in this movie is what makes the movie. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's also I don't I think I got it in here somewhere. It was shot in chronological order, like they didn't like most movies are not filmed that way. Oh, They'll yeah. usually 
like we just talked with Ready or Not, like they filmed the scene of Andy McDowell being beat to death, like the very first scene of the movie. This was literally like the two, the, it, what you saw in the film was how they filmed it. That's so. crazy. Uh, according to stars Cassandra McGrath and Kesty Marassi, uh, the scenes shot on the beach early in the film may look warm on screen, but were actually freezing. It was so cold that for the scene where McGrath runs in the ocean, all the crew were behind camera in hats and gloves. According to McGrath, when she got out of the water, she was so cold she literally couldn't remember her own name. In her fucking granny panties. Saggy-ass <laughs> granny panties. They couldn't pick better underwear for this scene? Uh, well, maybe the girls didn't want it to be like, I don't want my character to be a whore. No, it didn't have to be a thong, but did it have to be some saggy ass underwear? Gross. I don't know. Again, Mick Taylor doesn't discriminate. Uh, He doesn't. So, okay. Uh, John Jarrett is a method actor, spent weeks living in the Australian desert, preparing for the role of Mick. In addition, he avoided bathing before shooting so he could have a much more rugged appearance. Uh, the idea for Mick to have creepy lines was Jarrett's own. He says it took him four months to get that just right. He also created a detailed biography for the character, although he wouldn't reveal the details to anyone. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, I, they probably used those for the show though, since it's about a prequel, but yeah, he came up with an idea of uh, how Mick got to this point, what he was doing whenever he was hunting like boar and you know, when he went evil basically at one point. So yeah. Uh, this is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite horror movies, so there you go. Oh, God. Uh, the principal, uh, it doesn't show feet, though, so I'm surprised. Yeah, I was it. thinking, I was like, have I seen feet? I saw them struggling to walk barefoot, but. They, they, they didn't focus yeah. on that a whole lot. Uh, well, the principal photography film was shot entirely handheld. Wow. Um, uh, Cassandra McGrath said that John Jarrett's sinister laugh gave her nightmares. Yes, it's creepy. Uh, the film had only five weeks shooting schedule. The entire project had to be shot within 25 days. Ooh. So th- that's one thing, I guess. He didn't have to go nasty with his arms not being washed for too long. At least it was only a month. Yeah. Still. Uh, out in that hot Australian, you know, outback, that had been gross. According to the executive producer, Matt Hearn, the car that Kesty Moresi rolls in the film still ran despite being wrecked. Indeed, in the making of Wolf Creek 2006, there is a shot of the car being driven after the stunt has been performed. Fucking A. That's a good model car. Yeah. Uh, for the scene where Liz and Christy hide from Mick after pushing the truck over the cliff, Cassandra McGrath and Kesty Moresi were in a harness clinging to the side of an actual cliff. Additionally, director of photography, Will Gibson, was also put in harness to capture the scene. That's something you don't think about, but the cameraman was hanging off the cliff oh, with him, yeah. so he had to be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, no scenes were specifically written for cloudy or set weather. Neither was it a directorial decision to have such scenes. The film's shooting schedule was simply so tight that the crew had to film at all times, regardless of conditions. As such, when it was realized they were going to have to shoot in the rain, the script was hastily rewritten to include references to the fact that it was unexpectedly raining. Uh, you know, make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. That's what you got to do. The lightning during the scene where Liz, Ben, and Christy see Mick's truck approach was real as a thunderstorm was also blowing in the location. You, they just got lucky. I mean, you can't get no better than that. Yeah. As far as atmosphere. Uh, the first week of production was dedicated entirely to shooting the opening traveling footage, all of which was shot in a single stretch of highway. At around one hour and 15 minutes, the collection of victim memorabilia that Liz finds includes numerous photographs of Craig McLean's family and friends. Oh, funny. Uh, Still dumbest moment in any of these movies, though. Uh, Nathan Phillips designed the tattoo scene on his arms in the film himself. 
originally he wanted them to be much bigger, but Greg McLean asked him to tone them back. Uh, the mine that Mick Taylor uh, takes backpackers to is called, uh, like we said, backwards for the Australian serial killer that uh, Mick Taylor is representing. Uh, he was based on two, actually. Uh, the story element of which is where he began in one scene in the sense that he's a combination of Bradley Murdoch and Ivan Mlet. So actually, they were he the serial killer that was on trial at the time that they were getting ready to release this was the serial killer they based it off of. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is Murdoch, but they said they also had Ivan Millet in there. Or Yeah, yeah. So they kind of combined uh, both of them and to make just one Australian archetype character. Um Let's see. Uh, it's a Guardian article states that Ivan Milat actually described the process of severing a spinal cord to create the head on a stick. Mick Taylor talks about in the movie itself. So he did that in real life. The Ivan Milat did. Okay, ill. In Melbourne, uh, the capital city of Victoria, Australia, it's Moonlight Cinema uh, confirmed that their screening of this movie attracted their largest audience ever for an Australian film in the 11 years it had been running. More than 2,700 people packed the park, adding the picture to the list of only a few sellout sessions, most of which were scheduled on Valentine's Day. Uh, composer Francois Titaz uh, based parts of the film's music score off on an old funeral march tune, giving a slower tempo for even more moodiness. Okay. Uh, director Greg McLean originally wanted to shoot the film on a mini DV, but the director of photography, Will Gibson, persuaded him to shoot on HD instead. It was felt that HD would capture more of the background landscape that mini DV would. I'm glad he did because mini DV, I want to say that. Uh, 28 Days Later was filmed on mini DV, and like that movie looks like warmed over ass now like when you try to go back and watch it on like high definition tv still a great yeah. movie but it's still a great it's movie tough. yeah i don't have such a hard time with it visually as i do mentally so you know there's that <laughs> uh in the u.s the 1.38 million production initially made over 15.8 million uh at least over here so that's that's pretty good turnaround just in the u.s alone According to director Greg McLean, the film is full of subtle hints that all is not going to turn out well for the characters. For example, during the title sequence, there's a shot of a map with a broom circled. Written just to the right of the circle is D.I. Like die? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, A press release for the film headlined with Wolf Creek's highest grossing R-rated film in Australian history. Uh, it surpassed the record previously held by Chopper in 2000 with a box office achievement of uh, 5970000 Wow. Uh, it's considered exploitation. Uh, it's, uh, of course, on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Oh. This man hated everything. Big shocker. Usually if a movie's on his most hated, it's a good movie. It's going to be, saying. yeah, a decent movie. Uh, Greg McLean, uh, according to him in the work print, the party scenes lasted for over half an hour before being cut down. I'm glad he did because they, I mean, they didn't have to be nearly as long as they were in the movie, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Mick Taylor's long-range sniper rifle uh, appears to be a 308 cal- caliber. Uh, it is not the Remington scene earlier. Um, it seems Mick uses a 22 to toy with his victims, more serious sniper rifle when he's hunting them. Um one of the two films that received an F cinema score from audiences based upon their release in 2005. Uh, let's see. Some of these I'm just going to skip because there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, he was Mark Melcher was considered for the role of Mick Taylor. Jamie Dunn and Peter Poor were considered for the role of Mick Taylor. 
Glenn Robbins was considered for the role of Mick Taylor, but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts uh, with a series called Kath and Kim. Um, a bunch of other people considered, including Russell Gilbert, Bill Hunter, and Ross uh, Higgins. So I, I think John Jarrett knocked it out of the park, though. I can't imagine this character without him in the role. Yeah, I mean, even the picture they show immediately when you Google this film, chef's kiss. Yeah, it... <laughs> Uh, I'll get to that in a second whenever I ask you about your thoughts on this. Final Girl, there is none, unless you want to consider Final Boy and Ben, but he he doesn't take the fight back to the killer at all, like in this movie. Well, he he doesn't. Yeah, you're right. He didn't technically, well, he survived because he got away. He's a survivor, but he's not... You know, he's not the final, he's not the final girl slash guy. Yeah. You have to take the power back to be a final girl. And he did not. I mean, yeah, uh, he didn't get anything. Okay. Mick Taylor. He's effective. Oh yeah. He's probably, he's probably more human horror, but I rank him up there. I mean, with his personality, it's almost like a combination of Freddie and, you know, um, I, I'm trying to th- like Norman Bates in a way. Like, I mean, he's disarming at first, but then the psycho comes out, you know? I agree with that. He was, <laughs> he went again, going to the picture that comes up immediately. When you Google this film, he looks like he could be a super sweet old man or he also, and, but when he turns into the hit killer, it's like, Nope, I'm good. <laughs> uh, best kill is head on a stick even though it's not a kill that yeah. is so savage it's so fucking brutal uh her life ended whether she stayed alive or not at that point yeah i mean they on the website where i normally get like the kill descriptions like i don't think they had this listed and they said that it was a you know that she was last seen alive i was like she probably wishes she died yeah when that happened yeah i mean even standing up and being bolted up like the other girl was, I don't know her name, I keep forgetting it, uh, she was like, don't kill me. But I was thinking, no, kill me. Yeah, there's worse things than death. Yeah. In, instances like that. Um, and, and he was going to do it because he said he was. Yeah. Um, that scream in the movie is Christy, but that's all she fucking does, and it gets annoying after certain – and it's, it does not stand up to Jenna Ortega or no. Samara Weaving. She's just annoying. Christy, wake up. I don't like this. Christy, wake up. <laughs> uh, best uh, boobs. Uh, uh, if you like mutilated torso boobs, then you got them on a wall. That's about all you're getting in this movie. Just think of it this way, folks. You buy one of those toys at the shop that includes tits, ass, and a vege. Okay, fine vagina. And it's just one of those props, okay? Just splatter some blood on it. Same thing, okay? You're good. <laughs> Uh, best side character, the old man. He's barely in the movie. Oh but, my like, god! He tried. Yeah, he tried. He tried. God, God love him. He tried. He did. He tried more than Christie. Uh, I didn't have a Franklin Award, but I'm giving it to Christy. You're right. She yeah. she deserves it. She's, She's fucking annoying. annoying. Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? Uh, ben is technically the Doom Prophet because he is the only person that lives to tell that they're you know and and. But he doesn't really, like, he's not a Doom Prophet in the sense that he tells them that they should be worried. I think Liz is closer to it because, well, no, not even she does that because she's like, if we be nice to this guy, maybe he'll get us out of here quicker. Yeah. So they, they all kind of fucking, like, they needed a Doom Prophet. They needed Crazy Ralph to show up and say, get the fuck out of here, he's going to kill you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, dumbest moment we said it before because why why go back why have the member berries like i mean what is wrong with you like i don't understand it whatsoever 
Yeah, even this is where Christy was making sense because she's like, no, I don't want to go back there. No, don't leave me. Get away. What yeah, is wrong I, with you? We need a car to get away. I mean, she's not necessarily wrong about needing a car, but fuck. They, she's not wrong in the sense they need a car, but she uh, went, did she go back to immediately to the, where the cars would have been at? No. no. She's inside buildings. She falls in that pit where the dead bodies are at. Like, yeah. Why even go down there? There's no car in there, and even if it was, were you going to drive it out of the bottom of a pit? Full of I bodies? Mean, okay, but I'm confused. So when they're hanging off the side of the cliff and he goes and he's looking for them, could they not have stolen his car? She tries, remember, but he has the key. That's the other oh, reason why okay. he is so fucking smart. Okay. He took the keys with him. Okay, I missed that part. Um, yeah, he's fucking, I mean, he. the reason he's so good at what he does is because he's just one step ahead all the time. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, I guess that's another link between this and uh, Ready or Not. Both of them have death pits. Yeah. Like, they literally do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyways, that's all for that movie. Uh, what are your thoughts on this before I go on to the second one? Because I didn't know how you'd react. I didn't know about this movie. Like when I watched it, I, when I got to that scene, head on a stick, I was like, this is a different type of movie. I was, uh, I mean, it was a gut punch that none of the other, I mean, Freddie, Jason, Chucky, I mean, Ghostface, none of them. I, when Mick did the head on stick, I was like, this is a whole new level. Yes, it is. And it's more of a realistic slasher than some of the fucking torture porn we see out there. I think that if torture porn is a thing, this is a more realistic version of it. Yes. It's it, happening. What? It's going to continue to happen if it's allowed to. And, you know, it, it's scary. It's scary and it's possible. So there's that. My issue with this film is that it set a tone a little too early and a little too long by being a slow burn. I understand that the look of Australia is beautiful. Don't give a fuck. I want to see a torso. Yeah, I want to see a torso on the wall. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to see somebody getting hurt. And I did get that. But by the time it came, it took so long. I was over it. I was like, I was over with, I was done. I was waiting for the film to be over. It ended, it caused me to look at my phone multiple times, which is so sad because I will not deny, I look at, I won't deny a good film when I see it. And again, I will reinstate that just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it's not a good film, but I did not like this film. I, it ruined the, 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 the slow burn ruined it for me. Now you have me interested in Wolf Creek too, because it sounds like, okay, we're going to get right to the action, you know? You get right to the action, you have a little bit of a slow part, and then you're right back in the and the rest of the movie is like I can do that. The the rest of the movie is like T two. It literally is like part two to Wolf Creek is like T two. Okay. It's like you you have somebody you have Mick and chasing after somebody the entire way through the movie. Yeah, and of course, you know, I'm I, I don't care if I get spoilers. Obviously, you're gonna discuss that when we go on to Wolf Creek two. But you have to set a tone for somebody like me. Maybe I'm a basic movie watcher. Maybe I'm not. I'm. I don't feel like I'm any different than most people. I think there's people that can enjoy a ton of movies. I am not one of those people. You have to get my interest, and I will. Same thing with music videos. If your music video sucks, I will hate the song. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like that. Maybe it's just a visual thing. Who knows? But anyways, yeah, it sucks because like there was some good, really good kills in this movie. Really good scenes. It's really scary. Um, 100% recommend watching it. I will not be rewatching it. It's a one and done for me. I've seen it. I know what it's about and I'm over it. 
So now I'm curious to see how I'll respond to Wolf Creek 2. If I'll be able to. I'm so burned from this film that I'm, like, scared, you know? I it's it's a different thing when you get Wolf Creek 2 because, like I said, it begins right from the get-go with the action. Okay. Like, I mean, there's they, they establish, I mean, you know, I'll get into it here in just a second. I mean, I but I told you whenever I, I watched it, I was like, you were going to hate I was like, fast yeah. forward if you had you to. You did warn me, because but I didn't know I what to like, fast forward to. Because <laughs> I, I, I was like, I, I think you're going to like the kills and the actual horror in the movie. It just takes a bit to get there. God does it. Holy <laughs> crap. I mean, like House of the Devil. Pretty decent kills. Kind of cool story when it gets into it, but it takes so long. I feel like House of the Devil takes longer than this movie does. Yeah, definitely. Because at, at least in this movie, they established or the, the scene at the gas station gives you a little bit of the tension. It that, does. You know. Yes, and then you're like, oh boy, here it comes. I would say that we were somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes into the film before Mick finally pops in. Uh, and the movie's an hour and a half long. Now, I don't know if it is an hour and a half long. We saw it on Tubi with, oh, no, 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 um, Amazon. It was free on Amazon, but it had commercials, so there was commercial interruption, which I needed because I was mentally getting fucked with this movie. Like, with the with the slow burn, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking fall asleep. <laughs> And you can because the scenery is so beautiful. It's almost like watching Naturescape. It, it is. It really is. And then there, it's just these peaceful scenes with the three leads, and they're just enjoying their backpacking and having fun around a campfire. And it's just like, I mean, I I knew it was building to something big. So I was, but I, I was like, yeah, she's gonna hate this part of it. She yep, really is. I sure did. It's it's a uh, hour and thirty nine minutes total okay. running time. Yeah. So half of it is a slow burn. If not a third of it, it's it's a third uh, at least, uh, maybe bordering on a half. It's somewhere in that range. At minimum, yeah, because at thirty-one minutes, I was like, "Fuck," and Noah was like, "What?" And I was like, "I don't think I've met the killer yet in this film." <laughs> what did he think about it? Oh, he liked it. He actually, I think he said he liked the second one better. So he's seen yeah, both the- of them. He's he says he has to rewatch part two, but he says he remembers liking part two better. Part like I'll, I'll just do you want me to just go into part two? Yeah, if you're uh, ready, let's fucking let's do it. I'm good. Okay, Wolf Creek two, 2013 tagline: Mixed back with a few days to kill. Uh, this was directed by Alexander Aja of uh, High Tension fame, Ooh. so you know what you're getting into. Okay. Uh, or actually, no, I didn't change this. Never mind. Never mind. I didn't change it from the last. Oh, copy damn it! Notes. That's okay. Uh, it's Greg McLean again. Sorry, he's the one that did it. Just kidding, um, everybody. We were checking to see if you're still listening and if you're awake. Uh, yeah, just like they you'd have to in the first Wolf Creek at a certain point. Uh, I think it's written by Greg McLean again. Same. Uh, I don't know about the music. I'd have to look it up really quick. But uh, as far as that goes, um. It was made. Uh, let's see. I know it was made more than that too. I didn't. I didn't fix any of this. Jeez. Maybe you Wolf copied Creek. and everything, but it just didn't like find. It didn't take. I don't think it did. It was made for a budget of one point seven million. Uh, it made. Uh, no, it only made four point seven million. It didn't do a whole lot. Wow, so the movie I, that multiple people specify they liked better didn't do as good financially. 
Yeah, it's uh, kind of weird. It only made $3 million. Um, uh, principal players is Ryan Core, who plays Paul Hammersmith, who is our sole survivor and loser in this movie. Loser? Uh, yeah, I'll get to that. Okay. Um, John Jarrett, who plays Mick Taylor again, former pig hunter, uh, a slasher. Uh, ben Garrett plays Constable Brian O'Connor, who's the cocky cop. Shane Connor uh, plays Sergeant Gary Balmer Jr., who's a crooked cop. Uh, Philip Klaus plays Rutger Engfist, uh, who is the doomed German backpacker. Shannon Ashland plays Katarina Schmidt, who is our doomed German backpacker. Uh, Gerard Kennedy plays Jack, a kind old man in wrong place, wrong time scenario again. What the hell? Uh, Ian Carpenter plays the dead, is the dead trucker in the movie, uh, had a vehicle that Mick wanted. Uh, Annie Byron, that's another reason why it's like T2. There's there's literally a scene yeah. of Mick chasing down the main character with a big rig, just like oh my God. what happens in T2. Uh, Annie Byron plays Lil, the kind old lady, wrong place, wrong time. She's married to Jack, so they Aww. kind of uh, get in that situation. And then Jordan Cowan plays a young woman in the lair uh, who's one of Mick's victims. Uh, big rut row warning for this movie because kangaroos and doggos die in this movie. You mean kangaroos and dingoes? No, it's actually a doggo. It's mm-hmm. a you know you know the dog that Mick has in the first movie that's barking at yeah. Ben. Uh, they bring them back. There's two of them in the second movie. So and he doesn't make it. Uh, one of them, that dog does not <gasps> uh, because the sole survivor kills the dog. A moment of silence for Dingo, the good doggo. He was a certified good boy, and he was just under stressful situations that made him look aggressive. He wasn't. He never killed a soul. He never chased people down for Mick at all. Probably (laughs) not, unless you have video evidence of this. Do you? Uh, No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, then Dingo was a good boy. (laughs) So I'm going to have to free form this synopsis here because apparently I didn't do that either. I thought that I had. You got this. Uh, yeah. So basically this movie starts out, uh, it, we join up with Mick himself. He's driving. Two, two cops pull him over. <gasps> bad, bad decision. Uh-oh. Uh, he, he's like, you know, he's basically asking him. He's like, well, he's driving down the road. They... Apparently, the, the 100 kilometers per hour or something like whatever they measure in down there is what his speed or what the speed limit was. He was at 97, so he clocked under. But one of the the, the head cop, uh, the older one, looks at the younger one and says, we're going to make an example out of this fuckhead, mm-hmm. you know, just because they, they see like a local yokel, you know, a hick that they can Local bully, yokel. Uh, so they chase Mick, or they they pull Mick over. He, uh, that one of them even looks inside the like little, uh, uh, you know, toolkit, tool, you know, box that he has in the back of his truck, and sees like rotted meat in there. Ew! Hint, it's it's actual bodies, but like they don't they don't pay enough attention. Uh, they so they they tell him they're like we're gonna write this up. You got to show up. You're getting fined. Uh, he he looks at him and he's like. I didn't do anything. You didn't catch me speeding. They're like, shut the fuck up. It's our word against yours. You're going to go to town. You're going to pay this fine. He nods at him. And he's like, whatever you say, officers. And he gets back in his truck. They're going down the road in the car. Uh, they're bragging about it. They're like, did you hear what that fucking hick had to say? Uh, you know, and, and all that. All of a sudden, there's a shot. 
the young cop's head explodes all over the front windshield and uh the other cop uh freaks out and like you know uh and crashes off the road mick uh pulls the head on a stick with him oh no uh, uh, looks at him and says, uh, you fucked around with me. Now it's, it, now I got to clean up the fucking mess. Uh, and he has some lines and I'll get to him here in a second about, uh, uh, you know, like he, he, he's used to pig hunting, hint, hint, pig hunting. Yeah. Uh, he takes gasoline from his car. He sits the cop back in the cop car with a dead body with his partner. Yeah. Uh, the guy can't move cause you know, he's had his spinal cord severed. Yeah. Mick goes back, gets gas can, pours it on the guy while he's screaming, lights up a match, throws it in there. You know, whole cop car goes up in flames. That's how you start the movie. Well, at least he didn't feel it in his legs. (laughs) (laughs) Only half of him hurt. Only half of him burned. Yes. Um, It goes from that to these two German backpackers. They have scenes similar to the first movie where they're, but they're shorter. Uh, it's them, like, different campsites. They're in love. You know, they're going to have, you know, like, this great time together in the outback. Uh, except while they're at Wolf Creek uh, backpacking, or they're actually staying away from it. Because, you know, in the first movie, there was a sign-up, no camping or yeah. whatever. They're off away from They They backed up. There's an area that's that's kind of just for backpack or just for camping. They're there in their, their beds when they're getting ready to fuck whenever... <laughs> Mick pulls up, you know, and the, the, the guy gets out and he tells him, he's like, I appreciate you warning me that there's no camping here. Uh, but I didn't see that. And so you're fine to go back. And then yeah. that's when you get the question answered. What would Mick do if you don't accept his invitation? WWMD. <laughs> uh, he, uh, immediately, uh, I, I can't remember how he, how he starts it out. He immediately hits the, the German guy, knocks him down, ping on, you know, head on a stick, the guy, so that he's sitting there and he's taken out. Well, this is after he's seen that there's a Freulein, as he says. And he's like, he's like, I didn't know you had a Freulein back there, you know, and it's, that's when he gets excited. Like, now that he's got a hot lady, you know, yeah. like he's... So he, he pig on a sticks, the German guy, leaves him laying there, crying out, moaning, very brutal. Goes over to the um, to the, the the tent and grabs the girl out and like you know and he and he's basically telling her he's like I tried to get your dumb shit boyfriend to go with me you didn't he didn't listen now I got to do it here he's like this is a, this is your fault but he's like I'm gonna have some fun out of you before we go he said I'm gonna take you with me and before I go we're gonna have some fun so he started stripping her down yeah it's getting ready to go that route you're about to see a rape. The German guy, apparently the pig on a, the head on a stick didn't take on this guy. <gasps> he comes back, he swings at Mick, hits him full on the head with something, like, you know, bloodies his face up. Uh, Mick, uh, you know, throws uh, the, the German chick is completely useless. She's freaking out. She yeah. doesn't try to fight back, which is bad because then the German guy, who's already weak, you know, from getting stabbed, Mick hits him right in the spine <gasps> with his fist. So that makes it worse. Uh, the guy goes down. He he's like he looks at the girl. He's like he's like he should have stayed down. And he like he 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 doesn't just slit the guy's throat. He proceeds to cut his fucking yeah. head off. off. There was a scene right after that. He's got he knocks the girl out. She's coming to. She sees from the distance that he he's not even left the campsite yet. 
he is cutting up her boyfriend into pieces. And the first thing he does is cut the guy's dick off. And, <gasps> and he actually he's like, he's hung like a fucking donkey or something like that's what he says. And he grabs the penis and just throws it in the truck and, and with the rest of the meat that he's got. Yeah. So you see all this happening. The girl through a series of misadventures gets away from Mick. She actually escapes. Uh, she, uh, uh, she gets to the road, uh, because she's awake at this point and he didn't realize it. She, she gets away from him. She makes her way to the road. That's when your sole survivor comes in the hero of the picture. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul Hammersmith. He's a Brit that's down in the area. Uh, he's got a girlfriend who's broke up with him or something. It doesn't really factor in the movie, but like he, he just out of nowhere, he pulls over and this girl's covered in blood. She's screaming bloody murder. She's speaking in German half the time. He can't even fucking understand her. So he just tells her to hop in the car and then, you know, and he's asking her what's happening while, you know, precious moments are, you know, taking away. You see mixed headlights coming up. You're like, yeah. oh, fuck. You know, that's when he realizes she's being chased. So he speeds away. There's a car chase. Uh, Mick gets basically, uh, uh, his car gets... He catches up to the guy, and um, you know, and but the guy ends up swerving at just the right second to force Mick's truck yet again to get crushed because this truck is the same one he had in the first movie, but yeah. he's had it rebuilt. It gets damaged again. It gets run into a tree. Mick is fucking pissed. He gets out of the car and he goes to shoot the guy because the girl's still with him. Yeah. He misses at the last second, hits the girl. So that German girl is out of the movie now. She's oh, yeah. dead. She's been shot through the head. The only person left is is Paul. And the rest of the movie is basically like a Terminator-type movie where Mick is chasing down Paul just to, tor just to torture him because he took his plaything away. From and he even says it at one point in the movie. He's like, you took her away from me. It's your fucking fault. You know, like, it, that's that's why he's doing this, this guy. He's like, you want to play fucking hero? He's like, now you're going to be, you know, the hero. And the reason I call him a loser is that he... He does get back at Mick in like the last sex of the movie. Mick has used like a, a some kind of saw to cut off two of this guy's fingers in this little game. They play like a little quiz game. Yeah. Because Mick tells him, you know, he he finds out whenever he's got him locked up after all the shit that he's went through. You know, Mick catches him, got him down in his little torture chamber. This is a new one that he's got because uh, there's almost like a sewer-like system connected to it. And he's mad at the guy because he's like, first of all, he's making fun of the guy because he says all Brits are basically poofters is what he calls them. That's, you know, term meaning they're they're gay, you know. Oh, God. And, and, and it's even worse because this guy is a, you know, he's like a, a boarding school, like some kind of prep school type character. So, like, Mick hates him for that reason because Mick's like, you know, a blue collar, yeah. you know, salt of the earth guy. He hates like these, you know, these, uh, you know, intellectual types. So he has a little quiz. He's like, okay, if you're so smart, I'm going to give you 10 questions about Australian history uh, or Australian culture, and you answer them. And the guy's getting them. I mean, the guy's actually getting them at first. Yeah. But he, there's one of them that he gets, but Mick just doesn't like how he sounds, uh, you know, how cocky he's getting. And the whole time, Paul's looking at, like, this hammer that's beside of him, but he can't get there because he's tied up. Yeah. And... um so Mick saws one of his fingers off, you know, and he's like, you were technically right, but I didn't like how you answered <gasps> that. So that dick. Uh, he, the guy convinces him, he goes and he answers, he asks another question, which is a sports question about who the best uh, rugby player or not rugby. Uh, uh, it's, it's the other one, cricket player. 
uh, is an Australian cricket player. The guy's like, I don't know sports, so he's going to get his finger cut off. So he begs and pleads. I mean, he's in pain now, so he's barely thinking anyways. He begs Mick to cut his other hand, you know, like finger off his other hand. Yeah. Mick's like, well, Mick makes a comment, of course. He's like, that must be the one you jack off with, right? You know, or something like ah. that, you know, meaning, you know. So he goes in and, and he cuts his hand loose just so he can move it and over to the where he can cut it better. That gives the guy enough leverage to where when Mick's back is turned, he can grab the hammer, you know, in just a minute. But yeah. he does get two two fingers cut off. He he hits Mick and then he escapes into this tunnel system, the sewer system. That's where the doggo gets released because Mick's playing with him at this point. There's all these dead bodies everywhere. Mick has basically made this place up. It almost looked like the Sawyer clan had been there. Like, wow. If, if you can make the dead bodies in the furniture, he did it, you know, so he's that type. Um, there's one woman that's still alive whenever he, he's going through there. He accidentally kills her by accident. The, the good guy does. Yeah. Because he thinks it's Mick, you know, running past him. He pushes her into this pit of spikes. Oh, but shit. it's the one, it's the one survivor that's left over from Mick's previous. Yeah. And she's been there for, she's been there for a while because she's emaciated. She's yeah. like out of her mind. He's, he's tortured the shit out of her. Um, that's when the dog gets killed at, but Mick catches him. Despite all that, the guy still, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't defeat Mick and Mick has the option to kill him, but he doesn't. He tells him right before he knocks him out. He's like, you know, there's a difference between me and you. I'm a winner and you're a, and then he knocks him out. The guy wakes up bloody, scratched up, might have had shit done to him in the butthole. I don't know, because that's the other thing. Mick tells him, he's like, when I'm done with you, we're going to have a little fun. And he brings out like a negligee and he says the guy's going to wear it. Oh my God. And the guy, and the guy goes to call him, a, you know, the FAG word. And, uh, and Mick's like, don't you ever fucking call me that you British piece of shit. So he, he is, he's, he's willing to use guys, but he doesn't like that connotation yeah. that he's into man. You know, he's that, that's a little difference about Mick in this movie. But, um, so anyways, the guy wakes up, he could have been used that way. He's scratched up, he's dinged up and he, he notices there's one thing on him and it's a little piece of paper. And it says, you know, Mick says that he was a winner and that guy is a loser is what he opens up. And it says then the movie that he went on trial, uh, they, uh, he broke down so bad during the, you know, the part of it where they deliberate that they put him in a mental institution in Brit in Britain. And that's where he's at now. So oh. he, so our main good guy who just tried to help somebody goes through all that doesn't get mick at all like the final shots actually milk mick walking out into the outback again with his gun just ready to hunt the next oh my person God. And, our, and our hero is just somewhere in a mental institution somewhere i don't know <laughs> sounds like i'm gonna be pissed uh, you're going to be pissed at the fact he gets away with all of it, but I mean, it's got action yeah. pretty, I mean, you know, it's, there's only like, I want to say it's 15, 20 minutes tops of the German couple just being lovey dovey. If there's that much. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the time it's literally Mick, you know, hunting down this guy or hunting or killing somebody else. Cause there's an old couple that like finds the, the hero at one point in time, like half dead. Uh, from the outback, like he's, you know, exposure basically. Yeah. They, they come in, they, they, he's, he's very, he's very, uh, not, uh, non-trusting of them. He's, he's, you know, he, he thinks that they're part of Mick's situation. And then when he realizes Mick's not with him, cause Mick shows up and demands that they hand over the boy, uh, he's like, no, you're going to fucking die. And then the old man's like, I'll take care of this. This is my house. No, 
Mick breaks in and, and takes out both the old folks. So. This is my house. <laughs> was. Uh, the old folks are also the ones that talk about why the, the electricity and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, electronics are always so shitty because of the magnets and all that from the crater. You know, oh, that sort of thing. okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's got a lot of action, but it's, like I said, it's brutal. And he's even more sadistic in this movie than he was in the first one. As yeah. far as like, because there are several times where he lets the guy get away just so that he can track him again, you know, and hunt him down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a scene where Mick's like, he runs over like three or four kangaroos because they happen to run out in front of both of them. And he's got a big rig and he's just happy. He's like watching them just like explode underneath his, his wheels. What the <laughs> fuck did the kangaroos do? Uh, that's what he used to hunt was kangaroos. So he doesn't care one fuck about them. You know? I mean, I heard that they're kind of assholes too. They'll just fucking pop you in the face, you know? Oh, they're, they got muscles for yeah. days. Like, I mean, they're jacked. So, uh, Body count in the movie, there's six. Uncounted, there's 12 plus because in his death, you know, cavern that he's got down there, his little death sewer, he's got, there's all kinds of fucking bodies rotting down there. death sewer. Brian O'Connor is shot in the back of the head with a sniper rifle. Gary Balmer Jr. is burned alive by Mick Taylor inside his police car after he's been picked on, you know, or head on a stick. Uh, Rutger Ingvist is decapitated by Mick Taylor with a Bowie knife. Uh, Katarina Schmidt accidentally shot in the head. Jack shot in the head with the back of his head with his own shotgun. That's another thing. Mick kills him with his own gun. Uh, unnamed truck driver stabbed in the gut off screen. Body shown. Like, whenever he gets inside, the, when he's driving the big rig, he looks down and there's like a pile of like body parts. And I guess yeah. that's a trucker that he killed to get the truck. Yeah. Uh, Lil is shot in the head by Mick Taylor with Jack's shotgun. Guard dog has his skull crushed <gasps> by Paul Hammersmith Not under a dingo. gate. Unnamed woman is knocked out by Paul Hammersmith or knocked onto a punji stick trap and then killed. Uh, that And Paul intended to knock Mick in there, but he it wasn't Mick. And like I said, numerous, numerous kangaroos get killed by a semi-truck, and at least 10 victims' bodies are in Mick's lair at the end of the movie. Gross. Uh, he, he is much more of a slasher in this movie. Like, I mean, he's got way more. The body count's higher. Uh, he's, he's stalking the main, you know, final girl through most of the movie <laughs> and the final and the final girl, which I mean, I guess he kind of is cause he's a loser, uh, does try to fight back against Mick, but he's not successful. He's only alive cause Mick wanted him to live with the fact that he was such a, that he was not a hero. Like yeah. he, he was just a piece of shit. Dang. Um, has a lot of other taglines, the laugh, the smirk, the truck, the wave with a knife. Hmm. Tune didn't read. Yeah, Mick Taylor's back, stalking Wolf Creek and haunting your nightmares. Okay. The Outback can be crazy this time of year. Mm-hmm. What the bloody hell are you buggers doing out here? Yep. Hide and seek, is it? Which is funny, given the other yes. movie that we covered. Uh, let's see. Inspired by true events, the sequel to the most terrifying Australian movie ever made and based on actual events. Okay, by Australian standards, we'll go for that. Uh, some quotes, cop number two, you shoot pigs for a living. And Mick Taylor's like, you bet your life. And then he winks at him, you know, hinting that he does shoot pigs, but not the kind of pigs that they think yeah. he's talking about. Uh, he grabs the sergeant, holds him against the police car. Now your little mate's right. I am a pig shooter. You know what I mean? I do to pigs when they start squealing, I make them stop, you know? <laughs> well, at least he didn't tell them to squeal like a piggy. So that's true. Uh, Mick Taylor, this is perfect. Welcome to Australia, cocksucker. I think he says that to uh, Paul whenever he's chasing him down. Oh, my God. Um, as kangaroos run across the road and they get hit by Mick's truck, 
oh shit, flying kangaroos. That's and terrible. Like, <laughs> and then also, sorry, Skippy, like whenever he runs over one of them. Uh, he points his shotgun directly at Lil's face and cocks it. Hey, baby, could have had a good time, you and me. So he doesn't even care about age. He is not discriminant. If you're even an old woman, he'll he'll throw you one. Yikes. Uh, probably after months of torture. Mix him up with Pearl. <laughs> Pearl would have had fun with she me. She would have had fun. Sure. He would have gotten so <laughs> sick of her, like a married old man, just like, I'm fucking sick of your ass. You fucking weirdo. Uh, uh, Mick Taylor to Paul on his murder spree. Somebody's got to keep Australia looking beautiful. Uh, and then Mick Taylor at the end, this is the line I was talking about. You see, in this world, there's people like me and there's people like you. And people like me eat people like you for breakfast and ship them out. You're nothing but foreign vermin, a stinking introduced species. And it's up to my kind to wipe your kind out. And that makes me the winner and makes you, and then, of course, you know, loser whenever he wakes up. Uh, visually, it's as good as the first movie. Uh, actually, it looks a little bit better. I think they, you know, use a little bit more money for that, maybe. Uh, stories, just standard. Like I said, mix at it again. This hero gets in the way, he gets pissed, and he just plays with the guy until, you know, the very end of the movie. Uh, acting, uh, there's really, I mean, the German couple's even pretty good in it, and what little they're in the movie. Um, I don't really have any complaints about any of the acting. It's not like the first movie where you had, you know, uh, the the one character that was like, you know, just so unbearable that you couldn't stand them. So yeah, and it, and then the music's pretty good. They have "Born to Be Wild" at one point, and then they have "I Fall to Pieces" by Patsy Cline. Uh, there's there's some there's some pretty good appropriate songs for that. So uh trivia ironically john jarrett doesn't like to watch horror movies and stated that watching psycho in 1960 frightened him when he was a child that's hilarious uh again it's loosely based on australian serial killer ivan malat who was serving a life since in australian jail until his death on october 27th 2019 uh at around 36 minutes when paul is speaking to his girlfriend the connection begins to get bad which forces him to hang up right before he hangs up you can hear mix laugh Gee. uh both the gore effects and vehicle stunts were done practically. And okay. they, they crash a big rig in this movie. <gasps> so into Paul's uh, Jeep, and there's a huge explosion. So if that was done practically, that was, I mean, kudos. That's, Damn. That's, supposedly, there was a backstory on Mick Taylor written in the original script that was supposed to be shown in this film. It revealed more details about his past, explaining what made him such a sadistic, violent serial killer. Obviously, the idea was scrapped and nothing about it was ever filmed. Later developments showed this information on Mick Taylor's history would be finally revealed in the series Wolf Creek from 2016. Okay, I have a theory. The kangaroos raped him. <laughs> they had their way with him. They did a little gangbang. They pounced on him, you know, uh, shoved their joeys into his pouch. And... <laughs> He never recovered from it. Uh, that's as good a theory as anybody could come up with. Yes. A, a, a applause button if we had that sound, yeah. you know, queued up. <laughs> uh, I do think you'd like this movie better, though, before we get into Death Holler Awards, just because there's some nonstop action. Now, as far as the character, uh, he's like, I, like he's, he's a lot in this movie. Be a man. <laughs> Uh, final girl, there is none. Paul survives, but only because Mick allowed him to. Because um, Mick thought he was real party. Had a real party <laughs> mouth. 
he, like I said, he does, he does show him lingerie and tells him he's going to have fun with him. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing he tells him and he's going to throw him in the back. He's, uh, you know, at, even after he tells him if he answers five of the 10 questions, correct, you let him go. And then when the guy says you went back on your word because he's, you know, hinting that he's going to kill him, he's like, mate, I never told you I was going to let you go completely. I just said that I was going to take you out of this room. You know, ah. You're never, you're never leaving here alive is what he tells him at one point. Um, the best scream in the movie is Katarina Schmidt. You know, understandably, if you saw your boyfriend's penis get cut off in front of you after he was decapitated, that's going to traumatize you. Yeah, especially if it's a good uh, one. I'm just kidding. I was going to marry uh, that. <laughs> uh, best boobs, there is none. Uh, Mick fills up, and so does uh, the German guy, Katarina's tits, but you don't see anything, so there's that. Yeah. Uh, best detached peen goes to Rutger, <laughs> you know. Uh, best good boy goes to didgeridoo. <laughs> didgeridoo? That's what I named him. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good name for a dog. It's uh, Scooby-Doo's cousin. What? Yeah, are you talking about Dingo? Yeah, Dingo. His name's Didgeridoo. I don't like it. Uh, Franklin Award goes to Brian O'Connor, the cop at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's bragging about how he just got one over on a hick. No, you didn't. Uh, how annoying is Doom Prophet? There is none. Maybe Paul, because he's the only one that survived. But, I mean, and he is pretty annoying through most of the movie. But uh didn't matter because everybody around him got killed. And then dumbest moment is Paul stopping his vehicle to try and hitch a ride uh, while with Mick still on the prowl. He there's a point where he he has just escaped, nearly getting sniped by you know and seeing Katarina yeah. uh, head explode. Her body's still in his jeep at this point, by the way, and his car is very damaged. His jeep is doesn't have a lot of gas left, and he debates on the next town like he figures out where he's at, and he starts thumbing a ride, knowing and and I mean yes. Mixed vehicle at this point has been disabled, but if the killer was still that close, I don't yeah. think I would even attempt to hitch a ride. I no. just wouldn't, you know. Yeah, just hide. I don't know what. What do you do? I don't know. Uh, and he was in the outback in the desert. You know, didn't have. He had one bottle of water to his name, but still, I think I. I don't know. Just being on the road and being out there where Mick can find you easily is not a good idea. Ben had no water to his name, and granted, he passed out from dehydration. I mean, he still went days and yeah. had to climb through a lot of fucking shit to get. He, luckily, he was found. He was he was probably at this point just like, I'm just going to fucking die here. There's nothing you can do, you know, but he got rescued. This guy's like one bottle. To my, you, you, you'll be fine. Be a man. <laughs> it's like those videos on TikTok. Be a man. Yeah. <laughs> get out. Get, take your take your lingerie off and be a man. Um, but yeah, I just summary of this movie. I think you would like it better than the first one. It's all action. You get more Mick in the movie. A lot of people like that because, you know, he does have a personality to him. He does. I mean, there's several lines that he says are kind of funny, especially to the cops. Uh, but man, when, and, and there is some good lines between him and Paul at the end of the movie because they actually sit down and it's like their buddy, buddy for a good 10 minutes when they're doing this quiz. But then you can see just like in the first movie, whenever he's like, you know, they're all gathered around the campfire and Ben says that line about, you know, a knife or whatever. And what do you do? And like Mick gives him a look like, all right, this was fun, but now I'm pissed. You know, he, there's that transition he makes when he's taught, when he's got Paul 
you know, tied up and he's having fun. They even sing a song together, you know, uh, uh, this all, classic Australian song or whatever, the one that I mentioned to you a little bit off, you know, uh, off air. Uh, and, and they, they sing it together. look like they're having a good old time. Mick offers him booze. Like they're sitting there drinking together and just, you know, at one point he just gets, he, he gets so mad that this guy is so smart that he, his personality changes again. And he's like back to the sadistic asshole again. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but there, but there is more action in the first movie. If that's what you're looking for. It definitely. It sounds like something uh, I have to watch at least once. And I don't know what my official review would be after that, but you know, stay tuned. Uh, I would just, I mean, you can just tell me sometime like the cold open. If you ever see it, yeah. like, what your thoughts are on it. Uh, any, uh, episodes of absolute fucking lootly not or whatever coming up. We're supposed to be recording this week and nothing has changed from the previous episode because we haven't recorded yet. So still quite a few, um, blind reacts that we're going to have to do Okay. and, uh, certain topics that we didn't discuss from the last episode that we're going to have to discuss this episode, probably getting a little into nine 11. Uh, that should get a little emotional. Wow, okay. Yeah. So I know that is something that um, she had mentioned. Daphne had mentioned that she wanted to discuss. I said, yes, let's do it. She's like, do you not want to get too political? And I was like, no, let's do it. This is our show. And if that's something that, you know, you want to discuss, it's both of us, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we try not to on this show just because it doesn't really fit the theme of the show. I mean, stuff gets out there. I mean, we're both on the conservative side. But, um, yeah, it's – but that's – I mean, that shows more in that vein of just like – regular conversation and that comes up in conversation it does exactly that's that's how our show is so and um people might think that politically her and i are aligned uh we're not 100 percent um and even on things that we've all disagreed on it's like okay well i disagree but also you know like i get it i get it why for you guys that's that way and for us for me it's you know whatever especially because we grew up on different parts of the fucking country you know well that's just being an adult. You can have yeah. different opinions and not screech at each other autistically like <laughs> some people do. But Yeah. So <sighs> and I feel like it's funny between the four of us, you know, uh, me, you, Donnie G, uh, and Daphne, <clears throat> you know, uh, there's people all over, you know, the political spectrum, maybe even the religious spectrum. I don't know. It happens. But that's, that's, that's real friends right there for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you you kind of just go with it, and you know, uh, accept uh, areas where you disagree on, and you know, agree to disagree in a lot of cases. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Tomorrow is nine eleven. I don't know if we're recording on nine eleven, uh, and releasing Tuesday, or if we're recording Tuesday night. Uh, I will likely release that Tuesday, but that's our goal is to release on Tuesday. So. All right, and um, like I said, I don't know when we'll be next recording our Chucky follow-up because the week that we would normally be doing it, I will be out of town. Oh, no, at uh, Halloween Horror Nights. No. Oh, my God. I'll actually be seeing Chucky trying to kill people in in real life. Yes, we'll have to discuss that. Uh, We'll have to discuss. I am not able to go this year, which sucks. Floppy donkey dick. But um, I have been watching, so we will review based off of just what I've been able to see um, from the California view, because for some reason my TikTok is like, you're from California, you're going to want to watch the California, you know, <laughs> version of this house. 
So I haven't seen any of Orlando's yet, or that, or they're not letting them record, which respect, you know? They well, there's a few recordings on there. My wife's been watching some of them. You you can uh, I think they're more YouTube based. Yeah. Uh, I, the general consensus I'm hearing is that right now the scares in most of the houses are not like phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, they, they can work on them, but like, really it's the, they've stepped up their game as far as like the sets and costumes, like yeah. they're, you know, really, really top notch this year. Yeah. I'm noticing, um, a difference in terms of the scare actors, uh, but I am seeing some things that I don't like. So we'll, we'll discuss that next time the Reverend and I get together, we will be putting out a little special for Halloween Horror Nights. We always do. I feel like it's a tradition we have to do every year whether both of us get to go or not. Yeah, you we'll know? probably attach it to the Chucky episode just because it yeah be around that time. And I mean, I've watched up to Curse. Uh, so I got to go watch Curse, and I still got to watch um, uh, Cult and finish those up. We'll Definitely. probably end up doing that next week, though, right before the vacation starts because I hear that the house pulls from all of the old stuff. Okay, that's cool. Um. So I'll probably end up watching that then, and we'll discuss it like the you know whatever the or week or two after whenever it whatever it falls out, uh, and then after that we're getting into October. So then we've got a heavy month because oh, we've got yeah. all the Jason movies all that that are left. I think seven through I don't even remember. It's it's there's Jason X, and then there's uh, uh, Freddy versus Jason that kind of wraps up all Freddy and Jason all at once, and then we've got the Halloween movies. And I haven't discussed with you. I don't know how you want to do those because there's three continuities for those movies. There's a shit ton of them. I, I don't know. Are we going? To, uh, that's too much to try to cover. I mean, really, I don't know. We're going, I mean, because the David Gordon Green new Halloween movies are their own thing. The Halloween one, Halloween two, are kind of their own thing. Mm-hmm. They sometimes link up with a few of the other ones in the initial trilogy. And then there's Rob Zombies. I'm not even counting those. I oh, mean, they're God. The, the, like a remake of them. Um, and then you've got like five, you've got uh, five and six uh, kind of going to this weird cult thing. And then you've got H2O and Revel, uh, uh, Revel or it's not Revelations, it's uh, Resurrection that are like, they're their own thing. It's like the continuity is so fucked up in that series. It's like everybody yeah. keeps going back and saying, okay, one's canon. But then our movies get rid of all the other movies, and now they're their own thing. So, I know we talked about how we should approach this. There's no way we're going to be able to watch all of those movies and review all of them. It's pretty universally agreed. I mean, that the ones when they start making the cult, which is like five and six, that they're pretty shitty movies. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into that. A lot of people like the Return of Michael Myers. Three is its own thing. It doesn't even have Michael in it. It's It's... I, we could actually leave three off uh, as much as I love that movie and discuss it during like either a witch because it's technically yeah. witches in season the movie of the witch, yeah. or, or uh, creature feature season. Um, so that one could be sliced out and put somewhere else because it doesn't really fit in with any. It's not really a slasher movie, really. Yeah, I think we can do that because I do like that movie and I don't want to leave it out. So. And well, I don't want to half-ass it by trying to wedge it into, like, 15 other movies in that series either. So. Okay. So let's do this. Let's officially do one and two. 
Okay. And They're universally then, agreed upon as being good. Okay. You get to pick your favorite Halloween movie outside of that that you would like to discuss, and I'm going to pick one. And we can go back and forth, and we might pick the same one. Okay. Don't just don't, you just can't tell me. No discussions. No no postings. Okay. Just it's just going to be it'll be a surprise which other one it like I said it might be the same one it might be different. I don't think it'll be the same one. Not with us. I don't think it will be either. And um, the only thing we're leaving out is three. Yeah, we're all the rest of them are fair game. And I swear to God, if you pick Resurrection, uh, just so you can You don't see get to Buster tell me Rhymes. what to do with my life. <laughs> no, you can pick it, but I, I'm I like, okay, we're going to have a friggin' amazing discussion yes. if you pick that one because I don't know of anybody who, I mean, they that's one of those ones that you watch doing MST3K. Oh, type, yeah. You know, making fun of. Well, don't movie. tell me. I don't know a lot of movies past, like, the fourth one. <laughs> Now I'm like, great, I can't watch Resurrection. No, you can watch it because you get to see Buster Rhymes literally do Kung Fu on Michael Myers. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm anyways. not saying you have to watch it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people like H2O. I remember watching that in the theater. Uh, it's it's uh, it's funny because H2O is like Jamie Lee comes back. You know, it's yeah. now Laurie Strode's back. But then they did that again with the David Gordon Green Halloween movies that Universal just came out with, with Blumhouse. It was like, okay, forget that. She didn't come back when she did. This is old Laurie Strode, and yeah. now she's like, you know, a totally different woman. It's like, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, we'll, one and two for sure, and then we'll each pick one. Yes. That, that sounds good. And then if we pick the same one, obviously we got it'll be an easy discussion. But if we don't, we get to banter back and forth why we chose it, what we liked, et cetera. Okay. All that right. sounds good. All right, folks. With that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. Okay.